Hello, and welcome to Lockdown Film Festival Conversations. In this week's episode, we discuss the 1999 film Galaxy Quest, starring Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver. The former cast of a cult science fiction show are enlisted into an interstellar conflict by aliens who believe their show to be a documentary. Thanks for joining us, and here's the conversation. Week 34, and it was Dr. Pavlou's pick of Galaxy Quest, which was written by David Howard and Robert Gordon, and directed by Dean Parisot. And I will pass over to Harry now to let us know why he picked it and to run our discussion. <laughs> um, yes. uh, yeah, so um, why I picked this film, I think I was deliberating a lot and I realise, as you lot probably have now, I'm not, I'm not well suited to pick, um, I don't know, more independent films or more modern films or films along the lines of the great ones that you've all picked. And that's fine because I thought I'd leave that to you guys. <laughs> I thought this is something that I could offer and it's, uh, I wanted to share it with you because it's, it's a family favourite of ours and my sister mentioned it was on Netflix and I thought, you know, this could be an interesting one. And I've, I've got so much to say about it. I appreciate it might not be a film that's everyone's um, style of film, but I like to think that there's something in this that at least, you know, everyone can, you know, connect to at some, at some level. Um, and, you know, I've, this is the first time I watched it in about eight or so years. So, you know, watching it again, I also saw it as a very different film to how I remember it when I was a kid. Um, so going forward into this, it, I was, I thought it'd be interesting to try this in that for everyone, whenever, whoever's gonna speak next, whenever someone chips in their voice. I would also like if people can try and offer maybe in sort of one sentence, like their version of like a tagline or a caption or a summary of what the film would be for them in like one sentence. Um, yeah, I thought that'd be an interesting thing to try for whoever speaks up. Um, Cause I think this film can be interpreted in many ways. Um, and just before we start, can I just get a raise of a hand of who has seen this film before? Oh, ah. <laughs> nice work, Pat. Nice. <laughs> Starport Command Central over there. <laughs> um, well, I'll open it to the floor so people can just say what they thought about the film and their tagline. I'm not witty enough to come up with a good tagline. <laughs> you can say it at the end if you want after right. you've spoken. No, I, I, think Lara's, I think Lara's got, um, she's brewing one. Lara's see. looking pensive. Is brewing. I'll, like before, I try and think of a tagline. I will say um, this: this was a film that I got about halfway through, and I was enjoying it. But I was like, considering I've been aware of it for about like eight years, but never watched it. I was like, I don't think I'm enjoying it as much as I imagined. Uh, but then I did a, a Nausicaa, paused, <laughs> took a moment, put the kettle on, had a wank. Had a wank, came back, <laughs> much more enjoyable for the second half uh, after that. Now, I don't know if that was situation or it yeah. just got funnier. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great fun. Real cute. I will pick it back and say, I thought this was hilarious. It was great fun. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, it dipped a little bit in the middle for me when there was lots of just like flying and lasers and shooting around, but then it picked back up and it was, yeah, it was, I had a lot of fun watching this film. <laughs> it was a really good pick, Harry. I think the best compliment that can be given to it is I think that the director and writer are massive Star Trek fans. Yeah. Because the accuracy for the original series is so funny and just the stupidity of how much of an arse William Shatner is going along as then Tim <laughs> Allen. And like the stuff with Sigourney Weaver's suit and the fact they only comment about her boobs and stuff like that, like that was the stuff in the 60s. And I think it's done with a lot of care and a lot of homage to that original series that really comes across and all the sort of mixed special effects in the middle and everything. I just think they have like real praise for the series that came before. That's it's it. very it much felt... like a laughing with instead of yeah. a laughing at. Yeah. It felt affectionate. It didn't feel at any point like they were kind of going, oh God, how ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Even at the start when he was like, oh, it's just a TV show. It still didn't feel like they were really taking the piss out of the fans who love it that much. It still felt like it was, and therefore we've made another film for you. Um, yeah. Sweet. As someone who's maybe not on board with that genre so much, I was hoping it was going to laugh out, not with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if I was such a huge fan because I was hoping me and the filmmakers would be on board in our um, derision, but we weren't quite there. <laughs> but I could, I, I ended up sharing some of their sentiment for the genre if I didn't altogether appreciate it wholeheartedly myself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've missed out. I wish I'd watched it when I was younger because I feel like it would have been a family favourite. And so I've now told my brothers who are 12 to watch it because I feel like they're going to love it. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Um, yeah, it's, it, that's, that's interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, my my tagline, I think, would have been that it's a, uh, is a love letter to comic con fans and, and, and Trekkies. And, like, I don't know if anyone's heard, but this film is, like notoriously known as like one of the it's known to be one of the best star trek films of all time even though <laughs> it's not a star trek film but it kind of is um but it's interesting though need that you raise that because um uh i think this film was originally supposed to be more of a spoof and a bit more silly and a little bit more of a, of a piss take i think was how it was kind of originally pitched um but then when Dean Pariser came on board, they kind of changed it to be a bit more, like you say, in line with, with <coughs> the Trekkies and, and stuff. So yeah, I'm sorry that film wasn't made for you. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Space Wars. Yes, but yeah, you say about Space Wars is far more like, let's complete, it's more like a lampoon situation, Space Wars, yeah. whereas this is like, you know, more attentive to the, the fans, I suppose. Whereas, yeah, Spaceballs is ridiculous to the extreme. Oh. <laughs> Are you a Star Trek fan? Pardon? Sorry? Are you a Star Trek fan, Harry? Uh, not massive, actually, no. No, like, I've I've never really watched the series, actually. Um, and like, I've, I've seen the odd films. I've seen, you know, all the new, the new ones and stuff. But no, it wasn't massively, and I think... That's probably why the first time when I watched it when I was a kid, I just enjoyed. I think I enjoyed it more for like a sci-fi film that was quite funny. Um, but then watching it back now, even still not being a big Star Trek fan, I think I, I think the thing that I've noticed is that I am 
I've, I've in the last few years, I have been a Comic Con nerd. Like I've gone to quite a lot of Comic Con, like the London Comic Cons. Um, like I, since I was like 16, I think I've gone every year. And um, so like, I think I've grown a bit of an appreciation and an understanding for that culture. And I remember the first time I went, it was a little bit of an unknown world. You know, you saw it in these TV shows and these films, um, but then to actually experience it was really lovely because it's this, you know, it is this whole society of people who are very, like very loving and, positive towards each other and there's a real lovely atmosphere in these places because everyone's similar minded and most people are just there for the love of like their cult films and shows um so i think that's what is quite enjoyable about this film watching it like not being a star trek fan but i know what it must have felt like for star trek fans to watch this and that that got me excited um but then on the flip side you could argue that when you're at these comic conventions you see all these actors who've um, like clearly been contracted to come and sit there and sign autographs and like some of them genuinely hate it and it looks <laughs> miserable um, yeah like there's been some oh who's so like there's always a bunch of Game of Thrones people at the London Comic Con and half of them don't give a shit my my <laughs> sister actually she like worked at Comic Con a couple of years in the summer and she was an assistant to um, the guy who plays Hodor from Game of Thrones oh. and apparently he was just like he was a lovely guy she said she said he was great but he just you know how Alan Rickman was uh, with the fans <laughs> he was like that so they'd all come up to him all fans with like these great ideas or they'd they'd like get him to sign like a little door or something I don't know and they all thought they'd be really clever <laughs> Literally, every time he was like oh I hate this and then just like throw all of these random shitty gifts that fans are giving him just away because they were just oh, so, no. um, <laughs> so yeah yeah I feel like that's my reaction to the film was quite similar to me because I've not really watched any Star Trek or Star Wars but so I felt like probably a lot of what was funny about it I missed even though I like did definitely giggle at some parts I feel like I was watching it and I could see how if I was a fan of that genre, I would probably get a lot more from the film. But I think I did miss out a lot. But I think the fact that, like you said, the Comic-Con, like, thing sandwiched this, like, crazy story felt like it was, I don't know, like an ode to those people at the Comic-Con. It was like these people helped the actors fall back in love with what they were doing and stuff. So I thought that was, like, a nice way to frame the film. Mm. It was definitely the uh, the scene with the rock monster that just played out almost exactly like the Gorn fight uh, from the original series. And that was just so fun to watch and see how they, because all the way through, I mean, he'd been wearing a pretty sturdy uniform. It wasn't like a Captain Kirk <laughs> t-shirt that gets one slash. It's like, oh, it's fallen off. So I was kind of like, oh, they haven't, not like there's no topless Tim Allen yet. I wasn't like straining at the bit for it. But <laughs> when he was hung upside down and his shirt just went completely unnaturally over his head, I was like, there it is. There's the Captain Kirk, Darren. And I thought all those kind of little homages were nice to notice and nice to pick up and go, oh, it's like that episode with, or oh, it's a reference to. And I think, at least with you know things like shirts coming off, I feel like there's been enough reference in popular media for other people to 
instantly get that, but I yeah, Lydia's nodding. Yeah, I, yeah that like those <laughs> moments that like those kind of like the Sigourney Weaver breast thing. Yeah. That was like <laughs> like that's more broad than just that genre as well. So like moments of, of that you definitely I would definitely get. But yeah, I think it, it made me want to know more about the genre or want to watch more of it so that I could appreciate it as much. It wasn't like it was never like a oh this is ridiculous this is so stupid why am I watching this it was like a I don't understand it I'm sure there are many people that would I want to know more are we gonna so watch Star Wars it did make me want to watch Star Wars, watch Star Wars. <laughs> how are we gonna watch Star Wars I, I yeah <laughs> but I, I think even if there weren't like even if there were some references that were quite like knowledge specific there were other jokes that were played out again and again throughout the movie which took something very basic like Sigourney Weaver going everyone shouting at her for repeating exactly what the computer was saying and then by the end of the movie like you sort of forget she's doing it and then she literally does it throughout 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 and it, it I keep forgetting that that's like the thing her character does and then towards the end you know it's the film for me has gone into like more of a like sentimental place, all the lasers and the gunfights have stopped. And Sigourney Weaver turns around and just says verbatim what the computer has said again. Like that always cracks me up because I think, I think it has a lot of references this film, but I also think it does a really good job with like recurring jokes and recurring themes that it, it doesn't overkill, but it brings up in quite a lot of ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also just find it funny like I'm I was never I was never a Trekkie but I'm definitely like a massive um sci-fi nerd fully like fair play and I just find it really funny having watched Sigourney Weaver in Alien and in like the very much very serious like horror sci-fi films to see her then like bouncing around the halls here like and playing up to all of those kind of very very like hyper feminized like stereotypes I just i I think it's I think the casting in this film is so on point um yeah I couldn't help but feel with Tim Allen in the lead that the first half an hour was like a reverse Buzz Lightyear situation (laughs) (laughs) no you've got Buzz Lightyear who thinks he's a space cadet in he's not (laughs) and then you've got Tim Allen who's in the position where he's supposed to be but doesn't think that he is and I just thought that was <laughs> no, obviously I doubt very much that was ever planned but I clocked it and was like oh that's quite fun I could <laughs> not have told you who voiced Buzz like you but the main bad little back things were also very um, they were oh, <laughs> they did the little <laughs> oh. great I think by the last half, what was so enjoyable to watch was just the actors having a fucking whale of a time. Yeah. Like any time the evil guy was like, start the engines and his little things came up. <laughs> I was like, that must be so much fun to just have a little button that you can press to make your little things. <laughs> and all the people playing the um, kind of what they were called, but they're like the good aliens. Yeah. They were just, they got not like worse as in awful by the end but like the the over the top acting they were doing was getting more and more over the top as it went on <laughs> and by the end they were just like stumbling <laughs> into walls and stuff and their accents I sent Alan a voice note because I couldn't believe how they pronounced this I can't remember what it was now yeah 
did um did people notice a lot of familiar faces amongst the uh, <gasps> oh my god ted the lawyer yeah. from scrubs and dwight Schrute, and um, there was another one charlie in the chocolate factory uh, yeah <laughs> was it veruca's mom yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't she the one with the eyebrow and dodgeball as well? Yeah. Misty yeah. Pyle, did yeah. loads yeah. of films. She's yeah. So it was the, the creep, one of the creepy blokes from Deadpool. He was um, mm. Jed Reese. Loaded. Yeah, Back there were so many Deadpool. people. Like, Pretty yeah. star-studded cast, really. <laughs> Considering what a lot of them were doing. <laughs> Just moving around in little jumpsuits for the whole film. And who was the... The main alien guy, is he in anything? Because I actually thought, as funny as he was, and he was so funny, I loved him every time. He was actually quite a good actor, I thought. Yeah. He, he was like the only one I didn't recognise in the whole mm. film. Yeah, and, Same. and I thought he was one of the best performances across yeah. the board. Yeah, he was really engaging right till the end, yeah. But I've never seen him in anything else. I feel like once you've done that role, it's quite hard to then <laughs> do it again. <laughs> Everyone goes, oh, you're that guy. Or maybe he wasn't acting. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe he was an alien, guys. <laughs> apparently he, um, I can't remember his name, but apparently when he auditioned, um, they weren't, they weren't going to cast him. And then he was walking out of the audition and then last minute he turned around and he, and, and the director was like, well, what is it? What do you want to say? And he was like, well, I basically, there was this exercise we did at drama school, like um, where you have to like, where you practice all your voices from your different, do you know about this, Brads? Like, yeah. you've got oh. seven different resonances. <laughs> yeah. um, and he just and then just did the exercise out loud, which was like, <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then they, they then subsequently showed his audition tape to all the other alien auditionees <laughs> <laughs> to see if they could all impersonate it. If only I knew it was that easy. What have I been doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's been in love. Nothing. Yeah, he was impressive. Yeah. I will say Sam Rockwell and Alan Rickman looked like they were just having the best time. Sam Rockwell was off the wall, insane and so funny. Yeah. I love his the character yeah. character stuff with him by the fact that he believed him you know he was he played a tiny part as a red shirt in the original show and then believed he was a red shirt when this was actually <laughs> happening to the point where he was like i'm gonna die any minute it's my destiny to die anyway. <laughs> and i just thought that was so brilliant and i think there's you know i've read there's elements to which this was going to be far more kind of like r-rated than it initially that it ended up being like, you know, especially with Tony Shalhoub's character, who was so clearly high as a kite the whole way through. <laughs> and I think there was probably something missing with Sam Rockwell's character as well, because he was so off the chain. I feel like he was like supposed to be a cokehead or something as well, mm. because he was just that performance was just bizarre. Brilliantly, but so bizarre. Yeah, I really liked that. And I, I wanted more of the film to be in that mode. I felt like the, a lot of the main cast were like down and I loved that high emotion that Sam Rockwell brought and there were some other moments where some of the acting in my opinion was a bit ropey like stuff would happen they'd be like oh and it was like a tepid reaction to a lot of stuff whereas Rockwell was like up here the whole time and I, I think the film as a whole could have benefited from a lot more mania if that makes any sense I thought this could 
I, I going in, I thought this was going to be like an off the wall, mental like farce basically, and that's what I was kind of hoping for. And when it wasn't that, like there were points where I was like, is this still a comedy? Or like some of the tonal shifts for me where the heart came out didn't really work because I, I, it's not really a criticism. I don't think I've got really anything intellectual to say because I don't know how you would make this film, but it kind of was trying to do both things with it being like a knockabout comedy and a film with heart. And that didn't work for me, but I also don't know how you make this film without doing that. So it's a worthless critique. I would actually, I'd say, Harry, that like, I, I understand what you're saying, but I completely disagree. Like for me, it does work because a lot of the like slightly ropey acting is because quite often when you, where you see some of these things, like the acting frankly is a bit ropey. And for me, the, the, the comedy comes from obviously there's, there's all of the like really open gags and everyone floating around being weird little aliens in silver jumpsuits. Mm. But for me, if it was too manic and mad, you would never be able to get to hit the points when actually things were a bit more sort of sentimental without being cheesy. Like I suppose for me, the, the so sweet, but like Alan Rickman and his continual joke about how he fucking hates saying his tagline and things like that. And then that little scene where his little alien buddy dies, like I would give it, I think it's probably just because Alan Rickman is a, a God, but he manages to say that line that the whole film has been sort of set up against. And for me, that is actually a really sweet moment and it's not overdone. And it, it manages to like just about pass muster as like an authentic moment of emotion in the film. And I think that's so hard to do. So fair enough if it didn't work for other people. But for me, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's so hard to balance. And and for me, it does work, I guess. Because I think if it was, well if it was too that. insane, you wouldn't be able to have those moments. Did what, what? I did well up at that moment where his little alien friend died and he did the little, it's the little really like. It's, I, I think, think it was so the quiet. alien just being there being like. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, I, I suppose for me that's testament to Rickman just being a fantastic actor that moment. Yeah. Yeah. For me, all the other sentimental stuff never hit. Like, I didn't buy the relationship between Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver. And I think the first sentimental one where they're like, I'm worried about him. He never normally does that with fans. I was, when Tim Allen first, like, I was like, quite hell, that was a tonal left turn. Like, it just came <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. And that kind of jarred me a little bit. Sometimes I was like, hang on. Is this meant to be sentimental? Is it meant to be funny? And I, I take your point, Jen, about the ropey acting because the stuff on like the spaceship is meant to be like a Star Trek episode, but it meant for me that then that didn't land the, the bits when you're meant to believe that they're being good at acting kind of stuff because there was just yeah. too much. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Like make a choice. <laughs> if it's going to be an episode of Star Trek, it's going to be an episode of Star Trek. So then you can't try and pull my heartstrings kind of thing, which is so limiting and silly, but it's not like do that, but it's like that's why it didn't work for me perhaps yeah. as much. Um. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. One thing I'd say about that scene where Sigourney Weaver's on the phone to Alan Rickman and they're saying they're worried about him. I don't know if anyone else even picked up. <laughs> I think it's my. It's, I think it's the most subtle joke in the film. I don't even know if it's a joke, but when it cuts to Alan Rickman in his flat for like the ten seconds, he's still wearing the wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, never see this actor who hates the role 
without that weight off. That's that's hilarious. But yeah, but I appreciate what you're saying. Like I think this film tries to do a lot, and yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fair criticism that you could say it's it's almost confused in how it goes about it in places, and and therefore you know. Maybe it yeah, it's a tricky one because I think some stuff pays off. Like when they land back at Comic Con, and it's like really like that works for me definitely. I just I don't know. I, I think they're trying to kind of poke fun at Star Trek, but also be an episode of Star Trek, but also be more clever than an episode of Star Trek. And I wonder. I just thought it was a bit muddled in places. And I, I the first twenty minutes, I laughed a fair bit, and then for me, the laughs kind of died away. And I and perhaps that was because I was a little bit I felt confused as to how, what this film was becoming. I felt like the gags dropped quite quickly after a certain point for me personally. But I I don't really know. I, what that I was. would agree, Harry, because I I enjoyed this film quite a lot. But for me, my enjoyment dipped when it turned from the kind of because it's not a full on parody, but a spin on the idea of a sci-fi film and like what would happen if these people encountered these people. I love that bit. But then mm. as soon as it actually became like a sci-fi film, yeah, I, it lost me a little bit, not to any mass, massive degree because I no. still enjoyed it and there was still enough to keep me going through. And it's not realistic probably for it to keep that first half sensibility throughout the whole thing because then there's no real shift or plot or anything like that they can go through but when it came to do this mission i was like ah okay because now you set me up for there being lots of gags by the fact they don't get what's going on and they've kind of got what's going on very quickly Mm. you know from the moment that tim allen is first taken up to the spaceship it's probably only 15 or 20 minutes after that when everyone's on the spaceship and like, yeah, cool, let's go. Mm. And I think it needed a bit more time of the, hang on, is this real? Is this not real? Am I on some crazy trip? What the fuck's going on? For it to actually kind of merge correctly into that science fiction stuff at the end, it all just happened a bit too quickly in the middle for me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think an example of that is, Tony Shalhoub's character, the, the gag was that he wasn't phased, but that gag would have been funnier if they were all phased more. If that doesn't, yeah. if that makes any sense. It's probably not a very fair critique, but I just, yeah, Gus has summed it up a bit better for me. It, it made it to a point where I was like, what is Tony Shalhoub's character? I don't, because he was so low, but they weren't like high enough almost. I thought he Yeah, and I think like that's when it really misses out on the idea of him in a complete stoner. Because if you'd seen that throughout, then that would have been funnier, the fact that he first arrives on the ship and is just like, yeah, cool. Because mm. he doesn't, you know, but because he immediately says, yeah, cool. And they have the brief moment where the aliens come towards them with like the machine or whatever it is, and it completely yeah. freaks them out. And then after that moment, they're kind of like, okay, I'm on a spaceship, right? Like that's kind of yeah. the reaction that they go through. And it, you know, that kind of maybe the fear or panic level could have gone up a bit more just for like you know 10 15 minutes i think yeah i agree i mean i'm i'm nitpicking off the top of my head as to why it didn't chime with me but i think that's yeah that's kind of where i sat kind of thing so max are you gonna say something i was just saying i i thought for a while that he was an alien just because of how unfaced he was, <laughs> that was yeah that he, that he was actually an alien and then 
when he turned out to be Ceres at the end or whatever it was, it was a bit like, I knew it. And then it was, oh, it's all a lie. But um, <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. It felt very disjointed that something was up. And then for the fact that it should just be, oh, he's a bit stoned was a bit odd. I don't know, it was a bit anticlimactic maybe. Yeah, it was just an example of a gag that didn't um, sustain for me kind of thing. There were a couple of, of others like that, maybe. Do you think that this is a... Because to an extent, it's obviously an ensemble cast, and then do you think it's it's the fact that some characters maybe weren't, like say, just written as well or or presented as well as others? Because I think I think you're right. I think Tony I think Tony Shalhoub's character just didn't wasn't written in as much as the others. He didn't have as much to say. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't have as much screen time. I think it's it's a strange kind of alchemy between that group. I think. I think it's actually a base. My problem with Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, I just didn't really enjoy their characters that much. And I'm really surprised in parts. I didn't think Sigourney Weaver was very good, which is such a you know, really? arrogant critique. But I've been, I love Sigourney Weaver. I love the Alien movies. And then bits, I was like, oh, I don't really get this. And Tim Allen was a bit okay in bits. And it, what it meant is that Sam Rockwell was brilliant. Alan Rock Rickman was brilliant. And then Tony Shalhoub was kind of underserved. I just felt like there was, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but the balance of it all didn't work for me in that it, it was poorly handled as an ensemble, directing an ensemble of actors, in my opinion, I think. A lack of harmony. Yes. And maybe I think like, <laughs> there was such a short period of time spent before they got on the ship and obviously most of the time was spent on the ship. And so you didn't see how the characters all interacted or what their relationships were before they then were put into this tumultuous situation. I think maybe yeah. if you get more of that, you would have appreciated how they reacted to that and what happened with the different relationships when they were on the ship, when they mm. wanted to do this strange situation. Yeah, that's a good point I, we get a little bit and the main thing is that we get that uh, alan rickman and tim allen really clash uh and then we don't get much more of the the group dynamic like i genuinely didn't understand what tony shalhoub was or if they un if they knew him kind of thing like i was i was a little bit confused as to what this group was do they regularly see each other anyway this is all just you know i think anyone who knows more can correct me. I think there's an element to which Tony Shalhoub's character, because he's supposed to be almost like the equivalent of Scotty, I think. Like, he's not on the bridge with the rest of them. And I think part of it is supposed to be the joke of, like, you only see them in a crisis kind of thing. Like, something's wrong with the ship. Let's cut to the bloke who's supposed to be fixing it. <laughs> okay, cool. And then we go back again. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do. And, like, we only yeah. see this character when we absolutely have to see him. But that's not, it doesn't quite feel, the character doesn't quite fit with that method of seeing the character, maybe. Probably a lot because of that is going over my head because I've never seen an episode of Star Trek nor really have ever been interested in it. And there's probably, as we've already said, there's a lot of things like that that relate to the very much the archetypal Star Trek characters that didn't fuse with me. So that, you know, that's probably a good reason why I'd had some problems with the ensemble, but sure. It was the same with the, um, or similar with the young actor who played the child in the series and now is the driver. Yeah. Why, why wasn't he in school? Why, where's he? What's he <laughs> and it was like, the 60s. Like, like, <laughs> it, it, 
how they responded to him as well. Like they knew him as a tiny, what, 11 year old thing. And yet they treated him as if he was the same age. And they didn't I didn't understand why he needed to be a child in the original show. It didn't make any sense. And it well, made me think, how old was Sam Rockwell when he was on the show 18 years ago? That's probably right. a spoof of Will Wheaton in the yeah. Star Trek Next Generation. Right. <laughs> the, like the Wonder Kid <laughs> archetype kind of thing, yeah. Do you guys know who played the kid? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, yeah, it was Corbin Blue. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so weird. Oh, Chad from High School Musical. Oh, okay. Fine. Now there's a role. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's flown over my head. <laughs> Complete. Oh, wow, cool. What? <laughs> oh man, that's mad. Um, what did what do people think of the like the the production of the costumes the special effects how do people find that because this is 1999 as well isn't it so for me it's that classic thing where the the effects that were more like prosthetic like the little alien guy with the buzz light year wings and stuff i thought held up actually really well and, and really really great it was the the cgi stuff i thought looked absolutely naff but then again like it didn't phase me that it looked naff because I feel like this whole film is quite openly and celebratory in the fact that it is naff as anything. Um, yeah, the, um, but yeah. The VF, like, like, sorry, the um, costume stuff reminded me of like one of those like 2005-ish Doctor Who episodes with like, <laughs> the Ood and um, <laughs> that massive farting alien, that kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> um, which I quite enjoyed. I thought it was quite of its time. I liked it. Yeah. The the only sorry, you go, Laura. I was to say the only time the CGI really made me go was when they first. I think when Tim Allen was first on the ship, and they were like, "But we do have a ship, or whatever." I can't fucking remember what they said, and it like panned to it. And it was just there in the middle of space. And it was just the most, it looked like it hadn't been rendered yet. <laughs> it was awful. But after that, it didn't look as bad. Now, I don't know if that's just because I was in a better mood. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> after that, I, I didn't pay attention. It didn't bother me. But that first shot, I was like, that's naff. Like, that is. Very fine PS2 graphics. It was, it was almost <laughs> worse than PS2 graphics. It was so... But it should be worse than PS2 graphics based on what it was made. Yeah. yeah. You know the... Do you remember, like, I don't know if you ever had this in secondary school. We were a technology school and we had this, like, weird program that, like, you could make... Like, for a 3D printer, so you could make something and then you sent it to the 3D printer. What? But it always looked like that really shitty... Shit... I don't know how to describe it. It just looked shit. And that's what this looked like. And I was like, oh, it's like pre-3D printing, but before it's been printed. I'm not I thought the, it very well. I was going to just really touch on the prosthetics that Jen was talking about. Like, they looked great, yeah. but they they clearly could not act in them at all. Like, it didn't massively bother me. It didn't massively bother me because I didn't really give a shit about those characters at all. And they're not really, they're just supposed to be the evil presence that means the film kind of happens. But like, they try and do anything and their mouths weren't quite moving. (laughs) Do you know what it was like? It was like watching the Toyland Murders puppetry, where it's like, it's really not quite there. 
it doesn't <laughs> quite fit perfectly. Like the sounds, are, the sounds are not quite fitting exactly what the you know the movement is, but it was okay. And I think like you know it, if they that prosthetic work had been more in the film, I think it, that would have been a big problem. But the fact that it was just a couple of characters who just mainly shouted at each other, so it was kind of fine. There was the bit where um, the the big boss had been like fire them or like do something to them and the the little minion guy had just been expressing verbal fear had been like but sir what about my men and he went i don't care and they just went <laughs> and their face stayed exactly still and i thought it looked like someone we knew but i couldn't remember who <laughs> i thought back one and- there was one good visual gag when the green people got blown up at the end and the one turned around and he had a big cigar in his mouth. I thought that was very yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. Like more of that. I wanted more of that kind of just stupidity would have like really made me laugh a lot more. But that was that was joke. Um, the VFX, I thought, in some places were fairly impressive. Like when when they first, the, the team first arrived and he's like, this isn't the ship, this is the star deck. This is the ship or something. It's like that big like through the window of the whole cavernous thing. Maybe, if anyone remembers that. That was good. Um, you mean the oh, bit that Laura just said was actually Yeah, that was shit. the bit I thought was extra shit. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant when he was first on the ship. Oh, I thought that was great. With like, the banking <laughs> and everything. With the, with the what? Right, next. Oh, you like, mean, okay, no, like yeah, the right, docking I station. Yeah, yeah, I know the bit you mean. Yeah. It was in the docking station and they were like, And then it oh, panned to the ship. ship. No, you didn't, you didn't describe no. that very well, Harry, but I know what you mean now. The bit where they actually had to drive the ship away, they were banging into yes. the side. Yeah. Oh, yes, that, oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Like, that was funny. <laughs> I just liked everybody leaning as if that'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the, the director, while they, to, to help, like, I don't know, to help coordinate their reactions in that bit, apparently stood in front of all of the actors and just went, But Sigourney Weaver went to the opposite direction to everybody else. Yeah, she did. Everybody else went like that, and she went like, <laughs> just fucking driving into the wall. That, that that bit for me when they're going like was an example where it was like I, they could, there's no link between the actors and the FX. I was like then like it was a little bit of that disjoint where it's like they're nowhere near that kind of. Thing. It pulled me out of it. There were bits where the acting was like, it was one of those like, oh, like obviously that's nowhere near. It was like actors, it was actors, because now I think it's part and parcel of being a big movie actor. It was like actors who had never worked with visual effects before, didn't quite know what to, how to properly react. And that wasn't like a, we're purposely doing bad acting. It was literally like, oh, and you're scraping up alongside and it, oh no, the noise. And they're like, ah. <laughs> and that kind of thing pulls you out a bit quick you know an equivalent for me harry was like the occasional kind of like stunts or combat moments that were just so shit like maybe yeah. it's deliberate i don't want to use that as an excuse for this film but there was like the first one where tim allen like comes back from the spaceship and tries to find the others and he bumps into justin long and it's supposed to be like a bump they're supposed to bump into each other because they're not paying attention and then oh no the switcheroo, they've accidentally picked up the wrong one, right? But he full-on puts his hands on Justin Long's chest <laughs> and, like, shoves him over. 
And so I was like, was that on purpose? Did you mean to shove him over? Because then he behaved like he didn't mean to shove him over and it didn't make any sense for him to shove him over. But he definitely shoved him over. And it happened again later on in like one of like the fights on the Starship where like they were supposed to bump, two people were supposed to bump into each other and full on pushed each other over. And I just yeah. didn't understand what was going, you know, yeah. I mean, again, might have been deliberate, but I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, there was, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on s screen ratios and stuff, but I know that there was quite an experimental scene in that this film had three aspect ratios. I don't know if people realise it had three. So the first one's obviously the, the square ratio that right at the start when it's actually supposed to be the original Galaxy Quest show. And then when it's finishing, they widen out into the normal cinema screen ratio. Um, like when the film's finished and you're at the Comic-Con. And then I think the third one is when Tim Allen's first realises he's in space. So it's just when he's about to get shuttled back to Earth. And then those like windows open and he sees that the whole space and the stars and the galaxy in front of him. And I don't know if anyone noticed, but they actually widened the screen again. Um, but apparently when that happened in 99, they didn't tell loads of the actual cinemas that that happened. So they didn't set the curtains right. <laughs> so shooting over the curtains. That's something I always love when you go to a cinema and you can see the, them adjusting it. Like the way it's never smooth. It doesn't go like this, it goes. <laughs> and then it finally gets into the right ratio. Oh, I missed the cinema. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh. I just want to um, just want to take a minute to compliment the amount of fantastic little tidbits that Harry's prepared for this. Yeah, are... I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I I only recently I only just discovered there was actually a documentary made about this film not long ago. Um, nice. Isn't Tim that where um, I think one bit I've heard from that is uh, they're talking about Tim Allen and Alan Rickman not really liking each other, um, and there's ah. where um. Tim Allen was doing the scene where Malthazar's dying and he's being really sad and he's like really trying to channel this emotion. And he goes to the director and he's like, I, I, I can't, I can't do it. It's really eating me up inside. I'm really feeling really emotional. I just need to like go. I've never felt this way before. I just need the afternoon off. Can I head back to my train? And the director's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So he heads off and Alan Rickman without missing a beat just goes, oh my God, he's discovered acting. <laughs> oh, shit, they hate oh i love that yeah i love all the fun facts this is giving me life <laughs> you know you know you know tim allen was sorry while we're at it I'll here we it go. <laughs> tim, tim allen was nowhere near the first choice of casting for this role it was offered to loads of other people first so Ooh. i think it was, it was offered to kevin klein uh, I think Mel Gibson. I think Bruce. Oh, Willis, um, I think um, who are Steve Martin, Robin Williams. Um, but yeah, I think some these... of those maybe would have made more sense if the film had been like a lot like more ridiculous. Yeah. Like if the film had been maybe what we expected it to be, or like had gone like with the you know it's a ridiculous scenario. Let's play it ridiculously. Kind of angle. Then some of those would have fit. Some of those obviously would not have fit ever. Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis. <laughs> but I think you know 
Kevin Klein could have been really interesting if the film who's, was a who's bit Kevin more. Klein? Uh, Fish called Wanda. Okay. Kevin Klein. I haven't seen I'm it. Really also, I'll go in Klein. Dad in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet to watch Bodies. that, sadly. Um, Pav, I heard that one of them was Alec Baldwin. Yes. Yeah. And for me, that would have made so much more sense because I felt like Tim Allen was like doing an episode of Home Improvement and I didn't, like, he was clearly an arsehole, but he wasn't, he was like this kind of like chirpy arsehole. And if, it, if, if the lead guy had like more of a redemption of like, he was like a proper like, um, good-looking, like leading man, asshole, and then comes around. But Tim Allen was always like your, your chirpy, wankery, knobhead uncle the whole way through. <laughs> like, uh, I, I like Tim Allen. I fucking love Home Improvement, but it didn't kind of work for this like William Shatner, you know, kind of vessel. So I mean, Alec Baldwin would have been one of those perfect casters as like a smarmy kind of leader. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. If only. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't. Had Alec because I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering. I don't know. Had Alec Baldwin done a lot of comedy at this point? I, I don't think he had. I do want to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think so. No, he was still like what was he? He was um Jack Ryan at this point, wasn't he, or something? I think. Oh yeah. Probably no more. So I think that kind of thing maybe bringing in more of a serious not more known as like an action hero kind of thing at this point because tim allen was a pure like comedy star wasn't he i think yeah i think there was i think when they were going for casting there was this conflicting opinion and maybe this is kind of the whole point that you're getting at with this whole film and that in some places maybe it was confused but i think when they were casting the lead role i think maybe up until they actually chose tim allen they didn't know whether they wanted a straight action mm. guy or a comedian. So they didn't, and, yeah. um, and then obviously they, they, they chose Tim Allen. Cause I think the original um, uh, director was supposed to be Harold Ramis, um, who did, you know, like well, Ghostbusters and everything at the time. Right. And, uh, and then I think once Tim Allen got cast, he dropped out of the film. Um, because I don't think he saw Tim Allen in the role. So I think it was quite controversial at the time. Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, Sigourney Weaver is like an action star. That's what she at least Mm. was at the time. So therefore, you think that... I don't know, like, you know, if you look at who the other people in the film who were cast, what their careers were at the time... Tim Allen doesn't make sense because you've either got the kind of like action reputable actors of Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman. You've got the kind of guy who pops up in a film and makes a memorable appearance at the time of Sam Rockwell. And you've got Tony Shalhoub, who was known for quite a lot of TV. So it's like, mm. what, what what's the purpose in casting Tim Allen, who's this kind of, you know, sitcom star? It doesn't, I don't think, mm. fit for the lead role. I think if you're going to cast Sigourney Weaver, then you should cast someone at the same kind of, not, level in terms of talent but the same kind of career trajectory because it's a comedy but the actors in it aren't really supposed to know they're in a comedy if that makes sense like yeah they're not saying funny lines because they're trying to be funny it's not one of those kind of films it's funny the situations therefore it needs to kind of flip on itself right off that point of not trying to be funny i really liked when 
This is is it Sam Rockwell? Is that his name? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. When he did start trying to be funny after they were like, no, you're not just the extra, maybe you're the comedic, uh, the like the comedy relief, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and it was when he was making out with the tentacle woman, and Sam Rockwell was in the corner and was clearly like trying to be the comedic side relief. <laughs> because yeah, he was get like, a room, you guys. Come on, guys, in <laughs> a room and just like trying to get these interjections in. I really I thought that was great. That he was so desperate, like this is my moment. <laughs> this is where the comedy relief would say something. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, he was huge class. Um, no, just Tim Allen. I don't actually know. I haven't seen him in anything else. Like, I've never seen one of his Santa films. He was very much exactly the same as he was in the Santa Claus, to the extent that even the storyline was the same, except if you replaced the word festive mm. with alien. <laughs> pretty good. I don't think that sentence will ever be said again. <laughs> well, we have Ollie's tagline, everyone. Yeah. That... <laughs> when did Santa Claus come out? Maybe around this time. Maybe a little bit earlier, a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. The Santa Claus was '94, oh, but nice. the Santa Claus Two was 2002. Mm. Oh. The more you know. But uh, while while we're on on you, Ollie and and Charlotte, what what were your other other thoughts about the film? Um, I mean, my general consensus was it was a bit enough, but I had a pretty good time. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I thought I was going to hate it, and I actually didn't. Yeah, I I, I really thought you were going to hate. I, I thought you were going to like. When it off. first started, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, but then I, I caught you, like, probably getting into it for a bit. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was quiet. But no, it was I good. Was... Oh, written was very funny, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was funny. Um, but, like, I just picture that man in this series of wigs now. Like, that's just another wig to add to the collection that I've seen in it. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, um, I was I was kind of similar to Charlotte. I thought I would really, really not like this uh, because I'm not a big like um, sci-fi adventure action movie fan. But I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, there were some bits that proper like tickled me. Um, I enjoyed the like the blasting pod back to earth thing where they basically just like. It was almost like a forward to flubber where they just put him in a little bit of goo and then just fired him about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something else that really got me as well, but it's gone. <laughs> It'll come back. Well, I, I really enjoyed Justin Long's line right at the beginning when he comes up to Tim Allen or whatever it is and he's trying to get him to discuss something from the show. And then Tim Allen says something like, oh, yeah, cool, see you in a minute. And he just goes, I haven't even got to the vexing conundrum yet. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny because it was just like the it was it reminded me of the classic you know Simpsons itchy and scratchy moment but it was like I think this film initially for a lot of the time I was like oh this film is clearly made at a time when nerd culture is not appreciated at all and then it sort of got that back by the end by the involvement that Justin Long's character had in the film but like if this film was made now there'd be the opening would be probably a bit more nice about the fans i don't know 
because it did start off with like this these lot are a bunch of losers and then it moved mm-hmm. on from that yeah, I think yeah but then they saved the day so it's fine <laughs> exactly yeah. I didn't get why those two guys who set off Tim Allen's midlife crisis were there. They'd clearly taken over the entire convention center. Why were these two randos there to use the toilet in the first place and there for long enough to critique all of the other people in the convention and know enough about the show to critique the actors? I'm like, mate, you're not fooling anyone. You've paid for a ticket. You've clearly paid to get in. Who are you trying to convince? That yeah, that open the opening scene felt very on the nose to me as well. Like that that moment, like the the lines were so pointed. It was like this this is so over the top. And then it was like a line that I think the 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 kid pilot who was now grown up had a line like, oh, you know, he said like, oh, if you know, they love him as much as he loves himself or something. I was like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like he's arrogant, <laughs> fine, you know, he's deluded, whatever. Like there was a lot of dialogue early on that I was like, ah, this is not written that well. I wonder if, do you know the 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 two men in the toilets? I wonder if they were doing that thing uh, when you're younger and you're like, I'm gonna act like I don't like this thing on the off chance I meet my celebrity hero and then they'll realize how different I am from all the other fans. <laughs> I won't just worship them. Like I'll tell them how it is and they'll see how different I am. And give him a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a midlife crisis so he knows how I'm not like other boys. <laughs> I love how much thought you've put into this scene. <laughs> yeah, Laura, I can guarantee the writers did not think that much. This is how I would write it. <laughs> Such a throwaway moment that Lara's Dale did too. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I kind of agree though. I think I think the exposition in this like aspect of the script towards the start was a, was a bit on the nose. Like even I mean, again, he spins it so well, I think, but even Alan Rickman in the dressing room, it's it because it's him, he does he delivers it well, you know, and he's like saying, Oh, I played Richard the Third and all this stuff um like but all of their lines are very on like sigourney's about like the whole film is on the fucking nose though right like like, (laughs) i don't i don't know like i mean yeah i think i think that's i think that's true and then i think that's why if you watch it long enough it probably doesn't doesn't shouldn't bother you (laughs) because you realize oh okay this is this is what this is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know I think you asked for, you know, one sentence tags part of it. I think like one thing that I thought was it was a film where it's better to look away from the centre point of the frame than it is to look at the centre point of the frame. There was always something far more interesting happening to the side or in the background than there was in the middle, I thought. Probably because Tim Allen was always in the middle of the frame. But... (laughs) There was oh, always, the like, even, even if you like looked at like the group of the aliens when they'd walk in somewhere, you had like the main guy doing something in the middle and there'd always be one of them just doing something weird, like <laughs> a look or a hand gesture. And I was like, whoa, what? Like they, it, it, it felt like a bunch of actors being allowed to have a, quite a lot of freedom in the frame. Mm. Yeah. And that was really nice. And so like, you know, if I do watch it again, which I don't know whether I will or whether I won't, but like, I'm going to look for that even more. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Like, so I saw it for the first time last year because, like you, Pav, I think it's like a bit of an old family favourite of Alex's. 
Um, so that's the first time I'd seen it. And I was a bit like, what the hell have I just watched? <laughs> uh, <laughs> genuinely. And so, but I think like, like knowing sort of being a bit more prepared for it this time I kind of I don't know it's one of those ones that you sometimes think god if I if I wasn't trying to like critique this film or like pick holes in it then like so much would just wash over me because I think a lot of the criticisms that people have raised it's not that I disagree with them I kind of do agree with them but the other side of me is like but it's still with all like as naff as it is for me it still manages to be a hugely hugely enjoyable piece of cinema and for me it's one of those films where I think to be an effective film and to to achieve the aims that the film sets out to achieve I think like I think it does tick boxes there um and I don't know I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I've completely lost my train of thought now. But I, ju I just, I don't know. I feel like if you just commit to the fact it is a completely naff film, hmm. then it, it is so enjoyable that to me, it's still an incredibly effective film, even though you can pick holes in it. Whereas there, and there are other films that don't do that. There are other films that can't actually still make you laugh and, you know, someone completely out of the frame of reference for it can't sit down and say but you know I had a good time watching it I don't know I think to an extent yes Jen and I I'm all for fun for fun's sake <laughs> but I think if I'd paid to see this in a cinema I would have been grumpy about it but you but you like because you're not into sci-fi why would you pay to see it in a cinema as well like I so I think it's like letting yourself get on board with it and enjoy it and embrace the naffness I don't think it hit that mark well enough for me to buy into it and buy into that type of comedy to then yeah, enjoy I, it. I, yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I agree with Harry in terms of the height, like being at the same stakes or being high enough stakes and energy. And it, I didn't, I didn't buy into the silliness with them. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I think just personally, it wasn't the naffness that was ever a problem, and I wasn't watching it thinking these are big areas that aren't making me enjoy this film. The errors really have been, while well, we've been thinking about the film, oh, that's why Wayne B. I didn't enjoy it. I was just watching it being like, this is fine. But I've seen funnier comedies and I've seen films that make me feel more. And that was, that was it. It wasn't, it wasn't anything obvious when I was watching it being like, oh, that's a huge problem. It's like, this is, yeah, this is fine. But I've had better times with other films. So I think as simple as that. But I didn't dislike it in any way. And there were bits where I did enjoy it, but it didn't hang together enough for me to be at the end being like, that was fantastic. But that's, I mean, that's the point of film club, isn't it? It's all yeah. very... Nicholas, you, do you want to chime in? No, <laughs> I really agree with uh, particularly what Jen's saying. Like, I found it hard to chip in because I watched this film with my dad, who is like the silliest man I've ever met. And we just had, we just had such a great time. And like, to be honest with you, I really, really wanted to dislike this film, Harry. Like, like first 10, 15 minutes, I was like, oh, sci-fi, what a loser. This is going to be boring. God, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Like, I, I just thought it was brilliant. Like, the journey the film went on for me from being like, okay, so there's this like really kind of naff this is going to be just like this really dry parody of what a sci-fi film is so then actually I actually feel like I want to go and watch some sci-fi films now watch a bit of Star Trek like I really bought into 
the genre and um i i just found it so much fun that i i struggle i haven't really really put my thinking hat on for why or not it's a good film but i i don't think i've had such a pleasant experience from like a film in ages like i just thought it was just so fun and what jen said is right i think it was extremely effective in what it set out to do which is was to entertain and you know on a technical level it might have been poor in places but and you know this is me being a bad film club contributor but all of that washed over me because i had such a good time but yeah sorry that's why i haven't been chipping in because i just did i sort of watched it enjoyed it and didn't really think about it compared to other films where i feel like there's just the tone of the film lends itself to criticism more i guess and and because of its kind of i guess it's not you know it's 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 a parody so therefore it, it gets more slack, I guess, in terms of the way I have thought about it. But um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, and thanks for choosing a sci-fi film, which I would usually avoid like the plague, <clears throat> to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I felt it was an underrepresented genre so far. <laughs> um, does anyone have any, any other taglines they want to throw into the ring? I think you're asking too much of this group. This a fail. No, come on. Like, <laughs> no, I'm trying to give think. Me, give I'm me genuinely 30 trying seconds. to think. <laughs> I think, Gus, I think you set the bar too high with yours as well. Was, yeah, yeah, yours was a bit out. too yeah, it's, it's probably not even accurate, so it doesn't really matter. Just say anything. <laughs> Ollie and Charlotte's cat is prepping to give one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's a lot of thought. Oh, a little know. chin I, is just. No, oh my no. God. <laughs> Look at his beard. <laughs> I will just say of the other Star Trek films, the 2009 J.J. Abrams one is an absolute banger. That's so much fun. That, that was the film that got me into Star Trek. I watched that. I was like, this was fun. But imagine if like none of the action happened. Now that's a TV show I'd be interested in watching. <laughs> 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 and it was. I loved it. I would agree, Max. Like I haven't, I've never watched an episode of Star Trek, but I've seen all the films since the reboot, if that makes sense. And I would agree, the first, the first JJ one. I still enjoyed the second one as well, the one with uh, Ben and the Cumberbatch, despite its potential issues. The third one was not good, though. It was okay, but it wasn't great. But it's because the they weren't one, on the ship. They were like, imagine if they were all on land. It was like, no, am I mixing this? There's been 13 Star Trek films. There's been two of those different sets of Star Trek films. This yeah. is like the third regen. So it's like the TV show, and then they had, what was it, like five or six, five with the original cast, I think. Yeah, then they had the joint oh, one. Then they, had, some, then they had a couple of ones with, like, Patrick Stewart and that lot. <laughs> and then there's one where Tom Hardy's the villain, when he's supposed to be a clone of Patrick Stewart, which is hilariously bad. And then there's also about... <laughs> and then there's the ones later on. And then there's about a million Star Wars films. But that's different. Yeah, this is not this is not a narrow field of uh, film. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to, you know. So if you are interested, you, you know, there's a lot to pick from. Although it's all quite, I, I will say, even as a fan of the genre, it's all a little bit similar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I've figured out how to sum up this film in a sentence. <gasps> Go on. I think, and I'm drawing from earlier in the conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Oh, it's gone now, isn't it, Ollie? Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Oh, 
Galaxy Sorry, Quest is the plasticine homemade model given to William Shatner at a Star Trek convention by a loving fan. That is Galaxy Quest. Something that a lot of love has gone into. This is my explanation. This is like the... (laughs) This is the footnote <laughs> to this sentence. <laughs> uh, something a lot of love has gone into and it's being offered up and it's charming, but it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> has anyone That's... watched Firefly or Serenity? Firefly the show? Or yes. The yes. No, yes, didn't, yes, it, yes. didn't it end? But I not love end. them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the show didn't end. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, can't I wouldn't say I'm a sci-fi fan, but I've seen a lot of sci-fi. I've seen the newest Star Trek reboots. I love the original Star Wars. Serenity is great, and I've seen some of Firefly. So for me, as a sci-fi film, there are better sci-fi films. And there are better, like Serenity, there are better comical sci-fi films for me. And as a comedy, there are funnier comedies, I think was my biggest gripe to that. I didn't this film didn't do anything new in either genre for me that made me think, wow, I've not seen that kind of thing. I think if I can try and sum it up, that's probably where it didn't hit with me because I I was like, okay, cool. But I would, I mean, all I counsel with that, Harry, is it, I don't think it's really supposed to be any of those. It's supposed to yeah. be a parody slash homage. It's not a flat out comedy because it's, 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 it's connection, it's it's connection to its material is too strong for it to be a normal comedy. I agree. Like I agree, there are elements where, like, because I think it does become a sci-fi film when it probably shouldn't do. But I think it's not. It's supposed to be a homage parody film, and so I think mm. that it's to say it's not as funny as as other comedies and not as good as other sci-fi films is a bit reductive. I'd say. I well, also, I'm not being. It might even just be because all of those sci-fi, like for me, like I. Yeah, whatever full nerd here but for me there are vast differences between serenity and firefly and star wars even and there are so and like there's the classic like are you a star trek fan or are you a star wars fan so i think it's not even it's a very specific branch of the sci-fi universe that this is playing on and if you don't enjoy that then that's completely legit but i don't think it's it then logically follows to say like 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 for me as someone who really enjoys serenity or star wars if this was a parody homage to serenity or star wars you may well have enjoyed it a lot more like it might actually be like the the like base material that it's working off that isn't necessarily for you because i'm not a particular trekkie fan either like does i don't know if i'm making any fucking sense today guys i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm on a lot of thinking yeah, i was just trying to encapsulate <laughs> why why i struggled because i I didn't find it as funny as I thought it would be, and I didn't find it as yeah. impressively sci-fi as I thought it would be. It was it was kind of middling in both uh, camps for me, and that's probably yeah. why I was just a bit like, oh, I felt more in both genres with plenty of other films, I think. Yeah. And that's where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've I no idea about Star Trek, so maybe I missed a lot. So, but I think, yeah, I was just trying to encapsulate what yeah. what it might have yeah, been. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think I think I think I think. I, Anna has already said this, but I think my enthusiasm for it is probably grounded in the fact that I had such low expectations of my uh, 
kind of future enjoyment of it. And when I did enjoy mm. it, I'm like, wow, what a load of fun. <laughs> but it's interesting, I, I don't know, though. I did enjoy it. The prodigal nature of it was, like, clear enough to me. And as someone who doesn't really know a lot of sci-fi, I felt like there was a lot of kind of wink, wink, isn't that funny? And I think it just, I think it got the tone nicely. I'm not saying, so, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure I'm sure you're right, Harry. I'm sure there are many films that do the various aspects better, but I think it did a decent job of sort of if it was in a Venn diagram of you know comedy, sci-fi, parodical mm. comedy. I think it did well enough to be in the middle there, which was satisfying totally. for it, me. It's completely personal. It, it just it didn't, you know, how it chimes with with. One and it's interesting because I had really high expectations. I've been meaning to watch this for a long mm-hmm. time because it's this kind of cult, what right. I thought cult comedy kind of classic, and I think right. that might have affected me as well. In that I had massively high expectations and it didn't, which is always the way, isn't it? When you, go I, yeah, I, was gonna, I tend to find like any time, particularly particularly with film club, though, any time I start watching a film for this film club and I think I'm going to really like it the more pressure I put on it, the more I'm like, that was shit. Yeah. I feel like yeah. hard done by. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> I think for that reason, it was always kind of going to be a dangerous pick because I think this film is a, it's definitely a case of if it does, if you do get taken away with it, you have to let it take you away and not focus on the faults and the flaws. Mm. Um, because otherwise, yeah, you're not going to enjoy a fil- this film when you potentially could have had it not been a, a film club pick. But then also by the same token, obviously, it could just not be your cup of tea anyway. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I didn't meet your expectations because I because I'm, I'm I'm also I'm also just gen- not gen- your fault. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm also just quite. I'm I'm still had a nice time. <laughs> I'm just quite surprised as well that that most everyone here except for myself and Jen hadn't seen it which is a nice mm. yeah, it's, it's nice obviously but yeah I, I kind of thought it was a bit more of a, a household film so I'd never even heard of it yeah but I'm clearly ignorant yeah same <laughs> see Reduce I doors. heard of it oh sorry mm-hmm. don't Laura. You, no you, just you I heard of it as soon as I googled it and it said something like in 2000 and whatever, it was named one of the best Star Trek films. And all of a sudden, that was where I first heard of it came back. It was a Star Trek magazine that had a ranking of all the Star Trek films and it had Galaxy Quest in it. And that was where I first saw it. And I was like, what is this? Like, I'll have to check this out at some point. And I finally did. Where were you reading a Star Trek magazine? In my bedroom. I love it. <laughs> Like a cool, cool kid. <laughs> okay. Everyone got their score ready? Uh, no, shit. Um... Well, it's all right. You, you've got a bit of time because we're going to start with Brad's. Uh, six. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. Jen? Um, it's, yeah, it's, is it... It's a nine from me. <laughs> uh, Charlotte? I'll go seven. Seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Anna? Yeah, seven. 
Uh, Alex is nine. Uh, Ollie. David Austin. Uh, Nicholas. Seven. Neve. Six. Max. Seven. Lydia. Aye. Laura. Six. Katie. Seven. And Pav. Not going to be a mental. Is an eight. An eight. Cracking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, gang. Galaxy Quest can currently be streamed in the UK on Netflix. Thank you to Anchor for helping us make this podcast and to Alex Conway for composing our theme music. Thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon with another episode. Goodbye.